This is Garage Logic Podcast number 105, Feb 25, 2019. 23 below on this day in 1967 and 58 degrees in 1976. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Reavers, uh, you have to tell us what you just told me off air. The odds of that happening are astronomical. Oh, um, yeah, two kids, uh, kids, two guys that I went to high school with were uh, were killed over the weekend. Uh, one was involved in a snowmobile accident, and the other involved in a in a other style of accident pertaining with with a vehicle. And he froze to death. Yeah, and he froze to death. Walking, wow. tried to tried uh, walking home. That's, yeah, it was the, it was a really sad. The odds of that weekend. are unbelievable. I, that's kind of what I thought when it, when I started to get all the information yesterday that. Holy crap! That's unbelievable. That two two people in completely separate deals uh, had had accidents involving death with the weather relating to weather. Well, there was a story I read locally about a snowmobiler who died after hitting a beaver dam. Is that your guy? I believe it was my guy. Where was where was that? I don't remember uh, where I saw it. So, uh, just north of Faribault, I believe, south of. Um, Millersburg. And what about the guy who uh, froze to death? Was it Saturday night? Mm-hmm. I don't know all of the details. Of the, the winds were howling. That. They, they, they started were. to howl Saturday night. They yeah. were really howling yesterday. And it was, it, it, you know, most of the time when we hear, you know, stay indoors, travel's not advised. You know, okay, I can see. It. But but there are f- cars froze to the freeway because they're just they can't they can't move because of the snow. How bad it you was. know, and you're getting away from the country's tallest buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's the savviness? I wonder. Well, and you would think you're on a sled. For the most part, you're going to be okay because those those pieces of machinery are equipped to handle those kind of conditions. Jessica, who's the mother of Hannah, my little CI girl, mm-hmm. she said, I was listening to your show with Mark Lamb from Pinal County, Arizona. I thought you'd be interested in knowing that Sheriff Lamb and his department is a regular on two A&E programs, Live PD and 60 Days In. It's interesting it's an interesting thing to watch those officers deal with immigrants and the crime they bring with them. Take a look. Live PD is a great show. I've never heard of it. Uh, it has uh, Dan Abrams, who is the legal analyst from ABC News. Mm-hmm. And then they have sheriffs, and they go live across the country, and they're, they just encounter really? thieves and, and stuff and uh, uh, traffic violations and gun stuff. It's really cool. Uh, a frequent uh, contributor, Downing, had the same uh, thoughts I did. I finally had a chance to listen uh, to Thursday's podcast, which was, uh, I don't know why you chose that. Uh, you arbitrarily picked an interview with Will Steger hmm. from 2006. Yeah, well, I, I'll explain why. So we have a, 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 a giant bin of all these old, great episodes of of GL and I finally have a machine in here now that I can play all this stuff off of. And I thought I randomly grabbed the first one at the thing, and it happened to be the Will Steger episode you guys did in 06. Mm. It was fascinating. It was really, really cool. Well, you know why it was fascinating? <laughs> I do. I know where you're going to well, go. Well, not, nothing's changed. It's the same garbage we keep hearing <laughs> Nothing's today. changed in 13 years. Mm-hmm. 
The same prognostications, the same claim we're running out of time, the same BS. You know what else was the same? Rookie worked in a plug at a local restaurant. I did. Well, Downing also notes nothing's changed in the world or on the show. <laughs> yeah, Johnny had a little news, uh, including great sound bites and things like that. Uh, Angie was on that show. And uh, the Scoogman was doing traffic. Scooger? Oh, Scoogman. Yeah. Wow. Based on the hysteria in the news in 2006, global warming and the doomsday clock, uh, Downing notes, it's surprising that we are still here in 2019. I, I love Will. He's he's a decent sort, but he's just so full of BS. <laughs> I, it's just incredible. And, and nothing changed. No, not not, not a, a thing. single thing has changed in the 13 years. And he was kind enough to call us. He was driving around in his car. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And I remember uh, uh, his car was portrayed in the Minneapolis paper as being a little under the weather and uh, missing a hubcap. And uh, <laughs> I, I was saying, you know, it, that just almost fits the template, you know, because he wants to... Uh, uh, express some disdain for the automobile. So, if, And I thought you'd be doing more for the environment by maintaining the automobile. Right, right. And, and, and to Will's credit, uh, he, we brought that up, and he said, no, no, I maintain it. I maintain it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, he dis, it wasn't a disdain. And it almost, thing. at least because that was the first time I had heard the entire thing, it's, it struck me that you were almost taking umbrage with the, the writer as much as what Will, yeah, because they, they didn't really do their job. Uh, I have no uh, Oscar uh, commentary whatsoever. Those people uh, quite seriously do not interest me. As the years have gone by, I've I've parted ways with that mob of lemmings. And uh, so the only thing I do know is what Sanibel Jim sent me, and he sent me a picture of a guy in a velvet gown. Uh, I did yes. see that. Yeah. Billy Porter, whoever that is. And later on during the... Uh uh, broadcast. He took off the dress mm-hmm. oh. to reveal some type of jumpsuit or that was underneath it. Well, he believes in gender fluidity, so uh, good luck to him. So there is that. It was on in my home, and I only. Well, it was on in my home, but I didn't watch it. I watched to see if anyone was going to crack a Smollett joke, mm-hmm. but there was no host. But nobody did. Uh, there was a tweet from uh, Dave Ryan, who does the morning show, mm-hmm. uh, and he had a, a very good point about um, the Oscars and their $100,000 gift bags, yeah. and then they preach to all of us oh, right. about yes. the, the uh, poor, the homeless, and the... Uh, they're, all, they're, all, they're, they're a mob of, of uh, hypocrites. hypocrites. They yeah. just, just have no time for it anymore. Say, uh, I, I, you know, we're fact-based. And uh, I said that I have claimed to see George Washington's teeth, that they're wood. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and Bill Stein, our buddy in Aiken, John, mm-hmm. he's a dentist. Yep. And he emailed me this. Contrary to what was mentioned on Friday's show, George Washington never had a set of wooden teeth. His most famous denture was made of base plates of lead with human teeth wired in place and a spring arrangement that kept it in but required him to keep his mouth clamped down to keep it from popping out. Paul Revere also never made him a set of dentures. I didn't. I don't know why Paul Revere has come up. Uh, but the dentist that taught Paul Revere did. When Washington gave his first inaugural address, he only had one natural tooth left in his head. 
Poor, uh, poor guy. No wonder he looked like he did. Good luck and keep flossing, Bill Stein. <laughs> so I, I thought George had wood teeth. I did too. I guess I, I did. I, yeah, that was always what we were taught. Doesn't have the wooden teeth. Doesn't have the wooden teeth. I guess a dentist would know that, though. Artist in residence, uh, Greg Holcomb, uh, has noted as uh, as anyone who has uh, spread around the internet uh, that it's snowing in Russia, but it's green snow. Green. It's, it's either green or black, depending where you are in the country. And he thinks that's a good place for uh, occasional cortex uh, to try your green new deal. <laughs> There's green snow falling on polluted Russian towns. That's, that disturbs me. Mm-hmm. It's, to it's, be. it's vivid green. Mm. It's, it's, it's unmistakably green. Meanwhile, back here, what did our uh, elected worthies do yesterday? They had the... Uh, they had a, a snowball fight. Yeah. Everything else has been taken care right, of. Right, right, <laughs> right. All the uh, all the streets have been plowed in St. Paul. We're we're good to go here. Somebody was complaining about uh, uh, the mayor. The mayor of St. Paul and his staff uh, took on the mayor of Minneapolis and his staff, uh, and they had a fun frolicking yeah, time. That's it was cute. pretty good. They're just too cool, aren't they? Just a minute. Just They're just way the too cool. Here. Just a minute. So I. I don't know how you guys do it. I had I had to go over to St. Paul on well yesterday, yesterday morning. And you quite literally can't drive down certain streets cuz the the cars no. correct are so close together. There's 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 not room for two vehicles, let alone even one it to get through there. It becomes single lane traffic. That's embarrassing. And it's just getting worse as the snow keeps yeah, falling. You know what? We're gonna fix it. Why? With the snowball fight? Did that? Did that fix? Oh, it? we cleared the snowball the way. fight. Fixed sure. it. The snowball fight got me thinking. There was a piece in yesterday's Pioneer Press on uh, Carter now in for one year, mm-hmm. and uh, and I guess the piece was supposed to be congratulatory uh, because uh, we learned that he has a cabinet mm-hmm. that's the most diverse in the history of St. Paul. All right. <laughs> You ready for this? Yep. Uh, Chief Innovation Officer, Tarek Tomes, Deputy Mayor Jamie Tucher, uh, Mayor Melvin Carter, Chief Innovation Officer, uh, Tarek Thomas Tomes makes 160 grand a year. Whoa! Deputy Mayor Jamie Tincher makes 154 grand a year. Mayor Melvin Carter makes 129 grand a year. Why would the deputy mayor make more than the mayor? Um, that's a great question. Does, is there a formula they use if you have been in uh, working in politics? Or Chief working? Equity Officer Tony Newborn, 127 grand. Chief Resilience Officer Russ Stark, 108 grand. Director of Intergovernmental Relations Theomi Zong, 108 grand. Uh, Naomi Almsaged, Constituent Outreach Coordinator. Keholi Her, Policy Director. Ikram Koliso, Outgoing Policy Associate, Associate, will be the new College Savings Account Program Manager. Which is <laughs> complete BS. Peter Leggett, Communications Director. Noel Nix, Deputy Director of Intergovernmental Relations and Community Engagement. Joan Phillips, executive assistant to the mayor. Christine Ryder, senior aide to the deputy mayor. Camille Tinnen, Vista worker. Elizabeth Zong, press secretary. Daniel Yang, policy advisor. 16 people. 16 people. Here's the problem. This is probably true all over the country where you get to the closest to the tallest buildings. Where is the check and balance on this? Meaning? 
Who, who he, he could he could make up another nonsensical I see. 16 job titles and give jobs to 16 more people and have a cabinet of 32 people. So Where's the check and balance? You're telling me there's a chance yeah. that, huh? So if the podcast doesn't work out, <laughs> we got gigs lined up. City of <laughs> this, this isn't funny. This is not funny. Where is the check and balance? I'm unaware that there is one. Do you have Do you have listed there the salaries again? Uh, I only have this. They they only listed the highest salaries. Oh, okay. So it's not okay. So it's not worth my time to add up. Then I was going to add up if you had everybody's. Well, this is millions. Well, no, this is millions of dollars. Yeah, I was just going to say it's well, got to be over. Throw in the health and the benefits and the vacations and all this BS. But there, it's all made up. It's BS. Travel expenses. But here's my. And I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I've only begun my research. What I want to know is where is the check and balance on this? Is mm-hmm. there is there a is there a point at which the mayor is not allowed to continue to build a staff? Where, where is where is some who gets to the say no? Audit, right? Who because the, they're all like minded. They're all lefties. Hey, you want to be the uh, information officer to diversity council? Well, the city council, uh, they're all of the same mind, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah, the, all these people are of the same mind. Where is the where is the where is the built-in restraint? Where's the restraint? A fiduciary restraint. Where Long where gone. is it? And who who has the ability to stop another? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if the city council like you said is What did I tell you? That's why we need that gas tax by the way. Right. With, right. Take care of Repair it. Repair everything. With each new mayor the closer you get to the country's yep. tallest buildings, you'll begin to appreciate the previous mayor. Now, it's hard to believe, <laughs> but the way we've been going, Carter will be replaced by someone even more absurd than Carter. Chris to, Coleman is now looking like Winston Churchill. Go to the other <laughs> side of the river. SSB, our good old pal, Sharon, Sharon Sales Belton, yeah. replaced with... Mayor uh, Ryback. Yep. Replaced by? Betsy Bicycle. Yes. And now replaced with? Fry. Fry. Mm-hmm. Each, each one progressively more no, as you liberal. Look, as you look back, uh, Belton and Ryback are uh, terribly normal. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> as you look back in St. Paul, Chris Coleman and Jim Scheibel and uh, uh, George Latimer, um, uh, uh, Ran- uh, who was the? Uh, that was Randy. Um, oh, Randy. What was his last name? Uh, Mayor Randy. I can see his face. His son was the ballerina guy. Randy somebody. Randy. Oh, my what? God. Well, look it up. I'm for God's sakes. Isn't that something, though? We, I, the taxpayers need to know the answer to that question. <laughs> and if, you're right. Why, why isn't there something in place that says you only get to hire so many people? Well, uh, and there's only so much money to go around here. That's that's well. Most frighteningly, what I anticipate discovering is no, there is no restraint mechanism. Oh God! Our apologies to former Mayor Kelly, Randy Kelly. Randy, Kelly. I'm sorry, Kelly. Randy. Yeah, they all don't they all look like normal human beings? Yes, <laughs> yes. And and I'll bet you anything that you know Randy Kelly didn't have a cabinet of sixteen people with made up jobs. No, but his kiss of death was uh, meeting President Bush. Oh, he when shook he came Bush's to hand or right. something. Right. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And then it was all over for him. It was they, a firestorm. The they turned on him. The because Dems he shook the president's Isn't that hand. Amazing? Yes. Isn't that amazing? You know what else is amazing? Federated insurance. Yeah. That's why federated, uh, you know what they do? They tailor the insurance program to your business or industry. 
and they get to know you. Their marketing reps get to know you, and that's why they can customize the insurance coverage you need. Property and casualty, life, disability, income insurance. Their marketing reps are the best. They get to know you. That's, again, that's where the customization comes in. Driving a significant part of your business, they'll talk to you about auto liability. Worried about a cyber attack? They'll talk to you about data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way. Get in touch with a Federated Insurance Marketing Representative to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive because at Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Logic 98, College of Self-Esteem, Zip, Nada, Nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. You know what this podcast is about? Timing. Pushing back. This is, the place, this is the place you turn to to push back against the absurdities of the declining American scene. Uh, I got a great email from Rick in Stillwater. I was just listening to the podcast of the call you had with Will Steger. That was a replay from last Thursday. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I can contribute anything new to the thoroughly covered topic of climate change, but here's my two cents worth. My dear old granddad often told me that he believed we were put on this earth to solve problems. My own corollary to this maxim is that if a human being doesn't have a genuine problem to solve, he or she will create one. In other words, if an individual doesn't face a true challenge from actual threats to survival to Gordian knot-type problems that engage one's mind, that person will somehow cast about in search of a crusade, a cause, a problem. The alternative is often self-destruction, as exemplified by so many people who have ruined their lives with drugs and alcohol, if not outright suicide. I believe this idea is true of groups as well as individuals. I believe it is a paradox of human life that we don't prosper, that if we don't prosper, we face no difficulty. In Gumption County, we're pushing it back against a cultural tide of people who haven't found anything useful to do with their lives and who don't face serious difficulties in life. I would venture to say that the salon is populated entirely with this variety of human being. In my humble opinion, most of your social justice warriors and your climate apocalypse apocalypse types probably don't worry much about putting food on the table or making the car payment. Whether they realize it or not, I think these people inflate the significance of their various causes so that their efforts will provide a greater significance. Back in 2004, Michael Crichton published a book called State of Fear. It's a lousy novel. I read it. I don't recall it being lousy. Did you read it, John? I did not, no. But the book contains two redeeming nuggets. One is a minor character named Hoffman who points out that after the Cold War, the media started calling every little thing a big thing, a catastrophe, a crisis, a disaster. Once the existential threat of the Cold War, a genuine problem, was gone, the press had to invent a new big problem, climate change. The other redeeming nugget of Crichton's novel is the author's note in the appendices. Here, Crichton lays out the best case I've ever seen for skepticism about man-made climate change. As I said, the novel stinks, but the book is worth a look if you haven't seen it already. Glad you made it to Podcast 100. Do I hear 200? Regards, Rick and Stillwater. Uh, I remember the uh, book State of Fear. I don't recall it being a, a, a lousy novel, but I, I agree with him that it had those wonderful nuggets. All right, I didn't read it. Surprised. surprised. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Amy Klobuchar, uh, uh, and we've already uh, stated our belief in this, that she's just encountering too many snowflakes who have to work for it and I they can't stand that. 
They can't stand being bossed around. They come out of the failed academy. And Which they, then, of course, causes listeners to... They think we're in love with her. No, and Amy, you're, you're a hypocrite. She's uh, Over the weekend, she came out in favor of the legalization of marijuana. On the same day, there was a story that a study showed that marijuana use is lowering grades among students at the U of M. Okay. It's just, they're all hypocrites. They're, there's no reason. They're, they're hypocrites. Anyway, there's a new story now about Amy. That's just what's the latest? Well, that she ate salad with her comb. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yes, she ate she ate a salad with her comb, and then made an aide clean the comb. I don't know if that's true or not, no, but you know what it is? It's gross. How do you stab it then? How do you like, eat salad with a comb? Well, like you would with a fork. And is that is that proper etiquette? Don't you clean your own comb? Wouldn't you clean your own comb <laughs> no. and not have an ad or an aide person? The New York Times reported on a unique lunch situation that resulted in Amy Kay eating her salad with a hair comb and making an aide clean it afterward. Uh, the Democrat from Minnesota is running for 2020 Democratic presidential nomination has gained a reputation for mistreating and demeaning staff members. This anecdote may be the strangest so far, however, from the Times. Senator Klobuchar was hungry and forkless. An aide joining her on a trip to South Carolina in 2008 had procured a salad for his boss while hauling their bags through an airport terminal. But once on board, he delivered the grim news. He had fumbled the plastic eating utensils before reaching the gate, and the crew did not have any forks on such a short flight. What happened next was typical. Ms. Klobuchar berated her aide instantly for the slip-up. What happened after was not. She pulled a comb from her bag and began eating her salad with it, according to four people familiar with the episode. Then she handed the comb back to her staff member with a directive, clean it. I'm going to make you clean this. Uh, Klobuchar has spent some of her early presidential campaign time answering questions about various stories of her berating staff members, throwing binders in anger, and routinely contacting staff members at all hours of the night. Some reports even say Klobuchar has had trouble getting a 2020 uh, staff together because of her reputation. Uh, To an extent, Klobuchar embraces it. I don't know. It's all anonymous, she said. Uh, I will say that I'm proud of our staff, and yes, I can be a tough boss, but that's because I have high expectations of those who work for me, and I have a high expectation for our country. Okay, but I'm drawing the line out, Colm. Yeah, I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to believe, Amy. You got a lot of fruitcakes who work for you, and they can't stand being told what to do. But you can't eat salad with a comb. Yes, you in the back. Is this? On par, above, or below Sid eating Thousand Island dressing as soup. It's right there. It's, it's a in tie. the same wheelhouse. It's a tie. Okay. It's a tie. Um, but uh-huh. the comb, I'm having a bad cartoon bubble. <laughs> okay, first and foremost. Yeah, I see dandruff. Oh, God, you're right. Oh. Fuck. The, okay, first, it's the availability. Oh. I, I don't have a comb. I don't have oh. access to a comb. Yeah, I got we a comb. Can, we I can, can tell. You can get a comb. You I can get you a comb by 3 o'clock. Um, Apparently you're not using it today. Uh, no, thank you. No, I'm not. Wouldn't, wouldn't your fingers just be, if you don't have anything and you're on an airplane and you have a salad, couldn't you just... Why don't you just, why don't you just do it like the bowl of shame? Why don't you just go down there like a dog and, yes. just, and kind of maybe just pour it up in there? But you could pick up a tomato, a crouton, pop it in your mouth, a piece of lettuce. You know, there's a many, many, now that you're breaking it down, there's many ideas that occur to me. Take a subscription card from a magazine sure. and, and kind of funnel it into a no, fork-shaped deal no. and eat it, yeah. eat it that way. A comb just, yeah. does not. The comb's full of grease even and if dandruff. It's new, even if it's a brand new comb, maybe it was I would a new still comb. feel weird. I, I don't know. I, I eat a salad with a well, comb. How would, would you put it on? Would you stab the salad with the comb or put it on the comb and 
do well, this. What kind of comb is it? Is it, is just it a the, bigger comb? Is it just the generic uh, comb that Joe has in his pocket? It's the twenty-nine cent comb? Or, yeah, or is it the one that has the the, 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 the kind of the, yeah. the long? Pick Maybe it's got the, the long pick on the yeah. end of it, and you use that to stab the pickles yeah. and stuff. I could see that because then yeah. no no follicles have uh, have. But you're uh, eating dandruff, grease, hair, <laughs> some uh, lice, you know, hairspray, <laughs> yes, bed bugs. Oh God, the whole yeah, thing, that, you know. And then clean this, damn it, and it better be shining like the top of the Chrysler Building. I don't think she sounds like that. But uh, that was a bad. I, I don't. But to say, I don't think so. She made the staff member clean the comb. Well, should we do a we? Give her a we don't know that. Give the staff. Member uh, a we don't know. I, I'm I'm continuing to part ways with uh, Amy uh, every day based on her ideology. In this, latest, uh, we don't know that. This latest is she's she's on board with the with the legalization of marijuana. Haven't you hypocrites done your homework? Isn't she? It's not good for you. Isn't is she playing into what we thought was going to limit her at the very beginning that she wasn't left enough for the left? Lefty crowd. Well, she's still not left enough for but the is, left. Is that why she's trying to compensate then for that? No, I think legalization of marijuana is a mainstream thought now. That has nothing to do with being left. But with her thoughts <laughs> on on uh, alcohol, the problems that she experienced with her father, yeah. you would think maybe something that's mind altering. No, but no, it, it, it's it's more basic than that. This is the same crowd of people who demonized cigarette smoking, which they should have. They don't have the balls to ban it because they still like the tax revenue. But this is the same crowd that that demonized smoking and put bars out of business and uh, don't allow candy cigarettes sold in an ice cream (laughs) store and don't allow adults in St. Paul to buy menthol cigarettes. But now you frauds and you hypocrites, you want to legalize marijuana because you sense another revenue stream. Utter BS. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to pay for all those jobs in the city of St. Paul. The world was better off when you had a little dope in your jacket pocket and then you just threw it out the car window when you saw the cops. Huh? Come on. On the weed. A lot better off with that wacky tobacco. All right, we'll be back shortly. What are you waiting for? This is Ricey for my friend, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. Call Josh. Get a different point of view and get your financial future in order starting today. Sound retirement planning is important, and that's what Josh does. Josh can tell you that he is dedicated to helping people like you and me realize their best potential for a comfortable retirement. With today's market volatility, it's more important than ever to work with a professional who understands your needs, a professional who understands financial markets and the options available to help you reach your goals. Call Josh for a complimentary no-obligation consultation today at 952-925-5608, 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant. LLC, a registered advisor for the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. A man who. And now, a man who has never had a relationship with a tree, Joe Souchere. Why is it turned down? I have to, otherwise, we'll get staticky feedback. Here's John Height. 
Thank you, Joe. Uh, the weather, you may have noticed, was a bit nasty Well, yesterday. to the point where Reavers lost two of his yeah, classmates, yes. for God's sakes. As the winds begin to subside Monday morning across southern Minnesota, two major interstate highways are still closed. I-35 and I-90, 35 shut down to traffic from Owatonna to the Iowa border. I-90 from Albert Lee East to the Wisconsin state line also remaining closed. The Department of Transportation does not have a timeline as to when the freeways would reopen. MnDOT brought in ice breakers and front-end loaders to remove snowdrifts up to five feet high that continued to block travel lanes on both of those roads. So, uh, Paul Bloom uh, with Fox 9 tweeted out a photo. There's a, uh, there's a line of, basically a line of semis about a mile long that are just sitting there waiting for the freeway to reopen. So the trouble down there was wind, John. Yes. You know, yeah, piling in things a, up. In a, in a situation like that, how do you handle fuel? In what sense? If that truck is sitting and it's idling for however many hours, might be, what, eight to ten hours. I don't know that they are. Is that what they're doing? Uh, if I was in a truck, I'd I be running the I guess you'd try and be trying to stay yeah. warm, huh? I would think, mm-hmm. yeah. That doesn't use much gas, though, does it? I, I don't remember. think you could. I think you can idle for a long time. That's diesel, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, the car talk guys doing an experiment with that, and mm-hmm. the car ran for three days or something. Oh, okay. We got a lot of guys in that business that listen to us. So we're going to get a lot of email about, yeah, about that. So thanks for bringing yeah, that up, Brooke. Well, yeah. we got a listener, Pete, uh, who left his car running at the airport That's for right. three, four oh, days. Oh, right. that's right. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Left his truck running. Rescuers on snowmobiles and snowshoes battled 50-mile-an-hour winds on a snow-swept northern Minnesota lake near the Canadian border to rescue four stranded anglers far from shore, including one in the group who suffered severe dehydration and frostbite. The whole thing unfolded on Greenwood Lake over several hours Sunday afternoon and under perilous weather conditions that even the hardiest in the region are calling daunting. Cook County Sheriff Pat Eliason said, We're grateful we were able to get those folks out alive and that all of our responders are going home safely tonight. Uh, here's how everything broke down, according to the sheriff's office. Uh, the men were fishing, rode their snowmobiles more than two miles onto the lake, only to get stuck in deep slush. They made phone contact mid-afternoon with police in Ontario, Canada, who relayed the anglers' dangerous circumstances to Cook County authorities. Uh, the uh, What the anglers couldn't figure out was exactly where they were and what location they should tell authorities to come to. Going on what they had, search and rescue personnel from several agencies were scrambled, but sheriff's deputies on snowmobiles also fell victim to the slush, reported to be more than a foot deep in some spots. I wonder why. How was it not froze? Yeah. It hasn't been warm up there. I don't get it. No, they've been getting the same cold we have. uh, But remember Saturday? uh, How slushy everything got after. And and it got really slushy where I was Saturday anyway. I don't know about you guys. Deep, uh, didn't deep get slushy where I was. Really? It was warmer on Saturday. It was thirty and something. The sun was the sun was way up there. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was Saturday was a, uh, Saturday was warmer. Yep, yeah, that's right. Deputies freed one of their snowmobiles from the slush. Were joined by others on larger snowmobiles, along with responders using snowshoes. They restarted the search nearly three hours after the anglers put out their first distress call, and with dusk settling in, responders found the foursome. Responders medically stabilized the angler who was uh, had the frostbite while being taken back roughly two miles to shore. Once on land, taken to a hospital on roads that had to be specially cleared of drifting snow. Authorities have yet to release the identities of those fellows. Okay, this was Saturday? Uh, yeah, it was over the weekend. I'm not sure. Let's well, is this an example of losing your relationship with nature? Well, it was yesterday, and we knew those winds were going to be there. Yeah, so. but on a, on a snowmobile... Um, 
you never think you're going to get stopped by slush on a snowmobile. I, I would think that I might be. I, I, in other words, my relationship with nature would have had me very keenly interested in the weather forecast prior to setting out two miles onto a lake to go fishing. Would you go out with fifty mile an hour winds, no, which we knew think. were coming? No, so. maybe Not it's maybe 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 they're young and fearless, and think no. they're invincible. I don't know. Back to the guy that uh, had the truck running at the airport, Pete, was it? Pete Johnson. Weren't there uh, guys that were there that were placing bets to see when it was going to run out of gas, too? Yeah, never like did. a brick party? Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a brick party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got four more hours yeah. in it. <laughs> the gun control debate, which hasn't even really started this year at the Capitol yet, is already causing some divisiveness. Governor Tim Walz releasing a statement Sunday condemning comments made by Representative Cal Barr of East Bethel during a Minnesota gun owners caucus rally at the Capitol on Saturday. Walz says Barr's comments risked inciting violence. Barr said, according to a video posted on the gun caucus's Facebook page, there's a lot of us in this room that have had enough and it's time to start riding herd on the rest of these people that you want to take your rights away from you. They will not go quietly into the good night. They need to be kicked to the curb and stomped on and run over a few times. Barr's a member That's a bit harsh. Yeah, a little bit. Mm. Barr's a member of the New House Republican Caucus, a group that recently broke off with the House GOP Caucus. He's a small business owner serving his second term. Walls is a supporter of two proposals expected to get hearings in the House Public Safety Committee this week that involve firearms. Where was this guy speaking? Uh, he was speaking at a gun owners caucus meeting. Well, he was throwing red meat to the yes. lions there, wasn't he? Right. Very much so. Uh, the United States is planning new ways to pressure Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro to give up power and other means to provide help to the people of the uh, devastated South American country after a weekend effort failed to deliver aid. Vice President Mike Pence arrived in the Colombian capital and headed immediately into a meeting with Colombian President Ivan Duque. Pence will also meet with members of the regional coalition and Venezuelan opposition leader Juan Guaido to discuss the next steps aimed at ousting. Maduro. What are they going to do with Well, socialism is so great that Maduro had his troops fire on people trying to bring the starving people aid. Yeah. That is... General Motors has stayed the execution of two of the five American-made car models that it was expected to discontinue this summer. The Chevrolet Impala and the Cadillac CT6 full-size sedans will instead be built through January of 2020. It'll keep the lights on at GM's last factory in its hometown, the Detroit Hamtrak Assembly, for an extra seven months. Production of the Chevrolet Volt Hybrid and Buick LaCrosse ended at the facility February 15th. Neither model will be replaced as the automaker shifts its product focus toward fully electric cars and utility vehicles. Sales of the Impala were down nearly 50% in 2018, and just over 56,000 sold, while the Cadillac uh, folks delivered 9,668 of the CT6, about the same as the prior year. You ever drive a 79 Caprice Classic? Nope. That was a uh, that in the winter rear wheel drive. Donk. That's but a donk. Was, yes, it was beautiful. <laughs> That's tank. what I uh, I cut my teeth on. Driving. Really, yeah. seventy nine Caprice Classic. Yep. that's a big unit. Nice vinyl seats. Yeah, plush, plush red <laughs> vinyl <laughs> seats. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we got our first garage wood picture. Yeah, uh, from David Bliss in Bulgaria. Attaches a picture of garage wood from my garage here in Sofia. The picture is complete with the two things every Bulgarian garage should have: an old communist era car that is rarely used. <laughs> in this case, a Lada. And a pile of potatoes. Enjoy. And there's the Lada, the pile of potatoes, and the, his uh, plank. He has a plank as his garage wood. Yeah. My garage wood is uh, our stubby chunks. I don't have planks. What's a Lada? 
You know what you can do, Reavers? <laughs> you can leave now if you want. No, a Lada is an old uh, communist-era car uh, piece that's of a, junk. That's a lot of potatoes. That, that is a lot of potatoes. <laughs> but isn't that nice? He's got the plank. Yes. Yeah. So minor, should, minor blocks. Minor blocks. We were given a really good suggestion over the weekend. I think I think this is a social media campaign. Raffle? I did. I did attend a meat raffle yesterday, oh, by the way. Oh, cool. Me, and the, uh, meat raffle. me really? and the folks from Twin Cities Live, they're doing a little segment. Who's got the best meat raffle nice. really? in town? Really? So we were at... Uh, where were we? Oh, we were in uh, uh, West Tonka Bay. Okay, at the uh, the joint That's there. You get fabulous. Throw down a buck. Sure. Spin the wheel. Yeah. Meat raffles are fun. Have you she, never been? Never been to a meat never raffle. Been to a meat oh, raffle. they're fun. What's the point of it? To drink? So basically, well, and, yeah. you, and you win meat. But you, for a dollar, you yeah. get the chance to win a nice big steak. Well, that's, that's been pretty. that's been sitting out at room temperature for, for about, about an hour four and hours. You know, <laughs> they do. Uh, they start the meat raffle, Joe, by laying all the meat on the table. So you're yeah. about half hour in. I'd want to go real quick. <laughs> but these were in. in I want to win quick. Troughs of ice. Oh, oh so they were. Oh, this was a top notch. Somebody deal. got it uh, yeah. after the incident. Now they put them on ice. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. a great idea, actually. Mm-hmm. New England Patriots owner, speaking of meat raffles. Whoa! No, sorry. Hey now. New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft and other men accused of soliciting prostitution in a Florida massage parlor are expected to be charged by prosecutors as soon as Monday afternoon. The solicitation charges that ensnared Kraft and nearly 200 other men stem from a sweeping, months-long law enforcement probe of massage parlors where defendants sought sexual services from women who were allegedly victims of an international human trafficking ring. Nine men with New England ties, including Kraft and billionaire John W. Childs, are accused of soliciting prostitution from women working at those parlors. Police in Jupiter, Florida, said Kraft visited Orchids of Asia Day Spa twice between January 18th and January 22nd and solicited prostitution from female workers. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I really don't. You know, we all have a very good friend that lives in Jupiter. I just hope it isn't him as the other big name that's uh, that's revealed. (laughs) He was one of 25 men videotaped by Jupiter police in the act of receiving sexual services, according to police. On Sunday, a spokesman for Kraft declined to comment on the case. He said, we categorically deny that Mr. Kraft engaged in any illegal activity because it is a judicial matter. We will not be commenting. Who was the billionaire? Some hedge fund guy. Yeah, billionaire. Charlie? John Childs. Oh, John Childs. John W. Childs. Yes. You know, nobody chronicles a story like this uh, quite like the Sports Pickle does on, yeah. on social media. And they had a great point, Johnny, that you might be curious in. Yeah. It might not be. He might not be the only NFL owner. It turns out that the Green Bay Packers have thousands of owners that have also been busted for prostitution. <laughs> really? yeah. yeah. It could get, real, uh, could get real interesting. I wonder who the other big name is. Well, I saw a list of the names. There was nobody on there I recognized. Maybe, well, but, maybe they meant child. No, ESPN mostly. keeps hinting that there's a, a a name much bigger than Kraft that hasn't been released. But they released all 25 names well, they did. over the weekend. Oh, okay. And I saw the list, and I didn't know anybody but Kraft and this child's Tiger was not it, was he? No, Tiger was not all on right. it. Tiger you're you're suggesting no, that there's a Waffle House half a block away. <laughs> you're <laughs> suggesting that ESPN was guilty of promoting something for web clicks? I believe so. What? Oh, that's yeah. shocking. Yeah. A man driving a car with a sign warning against drunken driving was arrested Sunday. Guess why? Drunken driving. Driving under the influence, yes. The man wove across three lanes on Interstate 80 in Berkeley, California. Highway Patrol Patrol Officer Herman Baza told local television station KTVU it happened shortly before 4 a.m. He was well above the state blood alcohol limit of .08%, according to Baza. 
Mounted on top of the man's sedan was a sign that read, I should probably get a ride home, and another one that read, Buzz driving is drunk driving. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration Jeez. pays drivers to put those signs on their cars, according to Baza. It's a good message, the officer told KTVU, but he's not necessarily the best role model. He was weaving all over the place. We caught him early enough that we prevented him from any crashing and causing problems. Maybe he was just trying to show you what happens when you yeah, do that. That's true. This yeah. is why I have these stickers on. Uh, beer. I got a beer story here. If I could turn the page. <laughs> Okay. Having some sticky fingers problems. There we go. You know. Is this the, the, I hope this isn't the story Christ. where we learn that beer might have weed killer in it. No, that's not the one. What? So, yeah. I don't know. Traces Round, of weed killer. Roundup. Yeah, the story said traces of Roundup. What uh, kind of beer? In every beer? Or? I, I didn't read the I whole suppose thing wherever they too. grow hops. Huh? I didn't want to be frightened by it, so I yeah. didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw the headlines. That sounds like a beer show topic. You better get I, into that. I want to know. It's, I think you should find out. It's all over the internet. Yeah. Got it. Uh, this one also probably a beer uh, uh, show topic. A fight between America's two biggest brewers is jeopardizing a proposed Got Milk style campaign intended to help struggling beer makers win back drinkers who have defected to wine and spirits. This is between Anheuser Busch and Molson Coors Brewing Company. Oh God! <laughs> oh, this is okay. Uh, for over a year, they've discussed a potential multi-million-dollar brand agnostic campaign aimed at improving the overall health of the beer category, but. It could be dead in the water after Miller Coors, Molson's U.S. unit, pulled out of a meeting slated for next month, said the initiative should be paused after a public spat with Bud Light maker A.B. InBev. The rift between the two, uh, it all started, remember the uh, Super Bowl TV ad? Uh, they the, corn the, the corn syrup. The corn syrup yeah. ads, yeah. Apparently this made Miller Coors angry. They responded on Twitter with a full-page newspaper advertisement addressed to Beer Drinkers of America. Defending its use of corn syrup as a part of the brewing process. They realize how counterproductive that this argument is. What they should just do is create their own marketing campaign directly aimed back at Bud Light. They shouldn't go down this route because now they just look petty. Why would beer have corn syrup in it? In the process, the, in every, uh, does the every yeast, beer have corn the syrup? The yeast no. turning with the wheat and the hops must be solidified to secure the proper taste. I'm just making that up. I don't know. <laughs> I, had to going, go, huh? I could had tell. To I was listening. Okay. He was going it's click, like your double ratchet. Right. I, I, you had me for a minute. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, see, so the ad campaign was that Bud Light does not, does not. have uh, the corn syrup. Because it's made but, with rice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bud Light is? I don't mm-hmm. think Bud Light is. it really? Yes. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Anyway, uh, Pete Marino, Miller Coors Communications Chief, called this all a waste of time and money to work on the campaign. Quote, while the dominant industry leader is spending millions of dollars demonizing the ingredients in beer. Uh, did you know beer's been losing market share, by the way, for the last 20 years? I did not know that. Yeah. I did. Their sales since 1999, uh, they used to have 56% of the market of alcohol sales. Yep. They now have 45 and a half. Really? So you're not just talking mainstream just beer, beer, the beer period. Beer in oh, general. beer period. Oh, so, including the craft? But No, but, but craft beer is slightly on the rise. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, wine share is up 17.2% from 15.8%. And spirits, they're way up, almost 10%. But John's go. talking about the percentage of alcohol being sold. Correct. It's still, their their number is still extremely high. Yes. They just don't control the, the as much of the populace as they did. Who would point. not be drinking beer? Are the young kids not drinking beer? No. And, it's, and a lot of people, especially the females, are drinking, you know, like females are now drinking Whiskey as opposed to to beer. I wonder why. It's 
It's a part, diet it's a, thing. Yeah, you know, part it, of it, don't you think, also is the, all the flavored stuff? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's flavored everything. Now. <laughs> They're really ruining the like next apple whiskey. No, no but the next whiskey. big thing that's coming is uh, spiked seltzer water, which spiked I happen to enjoy. Oh, yes, yeah. the new uh, we've had some in my house. That's there's that, White Claw. There's yes. all, but there's one locally, Third Street up in Cold Spring. They make one called Hulu, I believe. It's actually it's really good. Yes, well, it's charged it. water. With yeah. a little shot well, in it. with alcohol, right? It's five percent ish. You can drink so. them pretty quick. They're good on a summer, <laughs> on a summer day. Yeah. They're good. A little, little spritzer. They're good in February. Well, that'd be oh. a little conifer. Well, that'd be good calorie wise, wouldn't it? Yeah, they're only yes. about they're only about a hundred hundred calories per. America strikes me as a country that drinks beer but doesn't like beer. In other words, if you're mm. drinking a light beer, you don't like beer. I don't like light beers. Well, I don't want to drink I mean, light beer. You're, you're wasting your time. <laughs> well, you do have to drink more to catch drink up. about 30 of them. To catch up I to do. everybody else. I do have a brother who buys about 16 cases of Bud Light at a time, so really? I'll pass that along to him. Well, <laughs> he, goes, a, he goes through them. Okay, but on a, on a, if you're on a patio uh, at a restaurant or sitting on your deck yeah. it's a, on a hot day, I will agree that a beer is delicious. Any kind of beer you want to drink. But a light beer... No, I'm not. I'm not it's I'm like it's watered not, down. Not I don't light beer. Yeah. yeah, probably, probably should, <laughs> but I'm not. A CBS San Francisco news crew covering the Oakland teachers' strike was robbed of a camera and tripod by an armed suspect who then shot their security guard before he fleed Sunday evening. The station's reporter Joe Vasquez and photographer John Anglin were gathering interviews for the strike at the Oakland Library when the suspect robbed them of their equipment. The news crew was outside their news van when a car pulled up. Two suspects got out of the car. One pulled a gun on the crew and demanded the camera. The crew surrendered the equipment, then began walking back to the van. The suspect and the security guard at that point exchanged fire. The guard was shot in the upper leg, rushed to a hospital, listed in stable condition. At 6.56 p.m., Oakland police officers engaged in a vehicle pursuit in connection with the shooting. The driver crashed the vehicle and was detained by police. Oakland Police Public Info Officer Joanna Watson confirmed the department had detained several other individuals in connection with the armed robbery and shooting and that some of the losses, the equipment, have been recovered. Alameda County Sheriff Spokesperson Ray Kelly said a 21-year-old man walked into Highland Hospital seeking treatment for several gunshot wounds. Deputies detained that man and Oakland Police arrested him in connection with the shooting. But the passenger got it all on tape with the camera that he they stole. Act, so. Well, actually, it is all on tape. Somebody taped it with their phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to come back and visit the failed academy in the Ivy League. Have you noticed the consolidation happening to commercial insurance agencies today? This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. The big just keep getting bigger, and you and your business continue to get passed around until you become a dreaded house account. You have been consolidated. All of this was done to you without your control. Get options and take control of your company's insurance program. Have the Canopy Group help you gain a commercial insurance strategy that makes your business more attractive to the insurance industry. The more insurance companies that we can get interested in your business, the more competitive your pricing will be. If your business is renewing in March, April, or May and is paying less than $80,000 in premium, don't accept being a house account. Get the attention you deserve with the Canopy Group. Visit thecanopygroup.com or call 800-967-3389, 800-967-3389, The Canopy Group. 
And now, a man who has never had a relationship with a tree, Joe Souchere. Uh, thank you to Bill Miller, who uh, provided us some uh, libations yeah. to congratulate us on our 100th podcast milestone. Today is 105, so that was five shows ago. Maybe we'll all go out after and celebrate. There was a great uh, uh, care package delivered by Mr. Miller, wasn't there? Bill is a good gift giver. And if he's taking requests for the next gift drop-off, well, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's go to Dartmouth. Okay. I believe Dartmouth is in Hanover, New Hampshire. Okay. I'll verify that. The kids are getting uh, curiouser and curiouser. Oh, boy. Uh, they're, they're tying themselves up in knots. Uh, Dartmouth is offering students free skiing lessons this winter. Come on. So long as the students are not white. Whoa, 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 whoa. Three people of color ski days are scheduled, (laughs) inviting self-identified students of color to ski for free. No, really, I am. Really, I so am. I guess if you why don't you just say you're a person of color well, if you want to get exactly. a free skiing lesson? Who was yeah. the gal we talked about at length that claimed she had African American or that she was African American? Yeah, I can't remember her and name. And then it turns out no, you're you're not. You're, you're not. Yeah, sorry. According to an email promotion obtained by Campus Reform, attendees re- receive free ski lessons, transportation, and equipment. Okay, uh, and it says. While the events are not advertised anywhere on the university's website, the event organizer, Dartmouth Assistant Director for Leadership and Experiential Education, Tracy Williams, sounds like one of the uh, cabinet uh, headings in uh, Carter's deal, uh, confirmed to campus reform that people of color ski days are university-sponsored events and are specifically functions of the outdoor programs offices people of color outside group. A student group called Black Girls Are Magic, the school's athletics department, and the Dartmouth Skiway. Williams also confirmed that the free skiing would only be offered to students who are self-identified students of color, Hmm. but clarified that the event itself is open to all as it is held in a public space. The organizer also expressed surprise that campus reform got a hold of this event information, calling it interesting and asking how campus reform obtained knowledge of the event. Uh, this just shows that identity politics has gotten to the point where even something as innocuous as skiing is an issue of race and oppression. And the fact that administrators feel the need to fund an event such as this exemplifies their preference for ethnic diversity over fiscal responsibility, Dartmouth student Ishwar Savarajan told Campus Reform. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let me take my uh, shot at this. Okay. $55,000 a year, yes, you were correct, of its location in Hanover, and their motto is, a voice crying out in the wilderness. I'll say. What's their team name? The Dartmouth, uh, what are they? The the Dartmouth, uh, No. they've had some good Colors are team. green. Let's yeah, the see. Dartmouth, uh, I know. Dartmouth one, one, green one of my nickname, Big Green, they do not list. Big Green. Okay. Uh, one of my good friends who's no longer with us went to Dartmouth. Hmm. Uh, okay. Here's my take on this. Yep. These white kids. Here we go. And these white administrators uh, now find themselves in the business of not education. 
They're not in the business of education. No, why would we waste our time on that? Fifty-five grand a year, you better educate. No, you're not in the business of education in the failed academy. You're in the business of defining uh, new victim groups every day. Mm. And in this case, these precious people somehow have concluded that the black students don't ski enough. They don't go skiing enough. <laughs> they don't go outside enough. Okay. Well, we're here to help you. We're going to, even though you, you really haven't expressed any interest, we're going to do a program here. Although if I'm some black kid in the library and I look outside and it's 20 below, I don't want their help. <laughs> no, right. I'm not going skiing. Right. But they've decided that there's an absence of color, apparently, on the ski slopes. And damn it, we're going we're gonna to help you. We're going to drag your ass out there. Yep. And we're going to make you ski whether you want to or not. They're tying themselves in knots, finding these false examples of inequity. That's what they're in the business of. Listen, uh, if you're the Dartmouth Assistant Director for Leadership and Experiential Education, what do you think you have to do? What do you think your job is? You are the Dartmouth Assistant Director for Leadership and Experiential Education, Tracy Williams. What her job is, is to uh, ferret out and unearth ever increasingly more sinister plots against ethnic groups. One of which apparently is that ski. ski it's just been unfair that these kids don't ski <laughs> the enough. The only black we see out there is diamond. Mm-hmm. They don't ski enough. Conservative YouTube comedy personality and Dartmouth alum Austin Fleckus Fletcher. Never sure. heard of Fleckus Fletcher? Never heard of that. Feels uh, similarly about the event, telling campus reform he was disappointed to see his alma mater continue to go off the progressive rails. It's getting to the point where an Ivy League degree won't mean much because these students aren't actually learning anything and are in no way prepared for any of the obstacles they will face in the real world, Fletcher said. Instead, they're learning how to be offended and how to create a hierarchy that rewards victimhood as opposed to competence. These kids attribute success to privilege and failure to oppression. And for that reason, they will likely join the resistance when they get out of their college bubble. Boy, that's a great point. The, what the left does is attribute success to privilege and failure to oppression. Ah, how convenient, minute. huh? How w- convenient. Wait a minute. He just had a great line, but you know what's next? Huh? Black diamond? Wait a minute. It can't be the black diamond. We can't have this be called a right. black diamond. You're saying black diamond is too challenging? Yeah, what a diamond is. We need to, we need to change it. Now we know why the left wants free education, this uh, Fleckus fellow said. They want to get as many of these young people into the anti-American indoctrination machine as possible. This attempt to fix the imperfections of this country's history will do more harm than good. Artificially propping up the oppressed at the expense of other students will lead to more inequality and division in the long run. If Dartmouth was a stock, I'd sell it. What a great point this guy makes. Look him up, Rook. A-U-S-T-E-N, Austin, Fletcher. F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R. That line is is perfect. The kids attribute success to privilege and failure to oppression. So when you are the assistant director for leadership and experiential education, what you do when you go to work in the morning is you find more examples of oppression to account for for failure. Because it really isn't failure, it's oppression. And you privileged people have been going skiing, and uh, that has to change. So we're going to offer a free program uh, to get the kids of color out there on the, uh, skiing. How was Austin spelled? E N. 
A-U-S-T-E-N. Okay. Uh, there's just not much on him, huh? That's all right. That's okay. But okay. he, he uh, apparently has a YouTube uh, uh, success or something. I have mm-hmm. no idea. Mm-hmm. But isn't that something? They're so desperate to find examples of oppression that they've even got it down now to skiing. <laughs> to, to skiing. skiing. Oh, my God. But that's what the failed, that's why the academy is failed. They're no longer in the education business. This guy's right. These are the people that are going to graduate and work for a U.S. senator and then say that she treats them harshly mean. because she calls them at 3 in the morning demanding they know where the email is. Or it makes them clean the comb. Well, that, I don't think comb. you should have to clean the comb. Oh. My point is, my point is, these people, these kids are not becoming fit for the world they outside aren't. the college No, they are, absolutely are not. My God, they found, they found a problem with skiing. Skiing. Uh, this Fletcher guy looks. He's a uh, host of a YouTube show, Fleckus Talks, featuring interviews at protest rallies. Oh, I, oh he goes man. across the political spectrum with everybody. Uh, graduated from Dartmouth, where he's an, an alignment on the football team. Uh, he worked as a financial analyst at Citibank in New York City for two years, and then moving to LA, he created his Fleckus Talk show after the 2016 election. He might be a fun guy to talk to. Yeah. Old Brookville, New York. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for yep. that. Yep. You, you know what I was doing through that entire story? I don't. I was watching a clip from 1965 Ski Party starring Frankie Avalon where James Brown and the Famous Flames come out and perform. So see, there have been blacks at ski. <laughs> maybe, that's what, maybe that's what they're trying to recreate. Uh, <laughs> we need to bring back... Uh, what was it called, Johnny? Look, ski Party. Ski Party. Look, look, look how they enter. See, there's they're skiing. Yeah, yeah. James look. skis right in, see? Look at that. Does yeah. he knock on the door? They saved a guy on the slope. That's see? fantastic. And then they do a song. Of That's, fantastic. Of That's Ski fantastic. That's fantastic. Ski party. Look, here's what's happening. Check it out. The academy is failing because they've institutionally dedicated themselves to finding more and more examples of oppression rather than success. And they're they're wiping success off the map and and saying that success is due only to privilege. But any failure is not due to a lack of effort or incompetence. Mm-hmm. Any failure is due to a systemic oppression, a historic systemic oppression. And therefore, when we come to work at the failed academy, what we're going to do is keep coming up with new examples of why there is oppression. And the latest is skiing, the skiing. There's just not enough kids, apparently, that want to go skiing. Mm-hmm. You know, so You can't force them, though. But when you... When you go down that road, what would not be seen as an example of privilege? Yeah, oh, you're, that's a can of worms. Well, you're hearing it. You're already hearing it from the progressive left. You, you hear a little bit of it from occasional cortex. You know, there should be free housing. There should be free education. There should be free transportation. There should be a guaranteed income. These are college five twenty nine plan. These are these are the thoughts of someone who is completely brainwashed into the idea that a lack of success is due only to oppression, and that me as an enlightened liberal, I'm here to uh, tell you. By the way, she was flying to uh, occasional cortex was flying to uh, Washington D.C. Uh-huh. and she just. She was in economy class, mm. and she got up and went and took a first-class seat. 
And when they said uh, this, you're not you're not ticketed for this. She said, "I'm I'm a liberal. I'm beautiful. I'm going to Washington D.C. I'm sitting here." Well, wow. Another another flight I attendant. Did not hear that. Another flight attendant came up and said, "We don't really care who you are. You you don't have a ticket for first class. You're in the economy class." I'm beautiful. I'm a liberal. I'm going to Washington D.C. Finally, they bring out the pilot. He can't get her to move either. So he goes back and tells the other pilot, and the pilot says, let me handle this. I'm married to a liberal. I can speak liberal. So he goes back, and he leans over, and he whispers in her ear, and she immediately gets up. So I'm sorry, and goes back to back wow. to economy class. I didn't see this in the and, news. and when he got back to the cockpit, the other pilot said, what would you tell her to get her? He says, I told her first class isn't going to Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here all night. I got a second show. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. I had you for a while, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear this. What the hell? Oh, the first class isn't going to Washington, D.C. Shoot, then I got to get out of here. I got to move back to economy. (laughs) That's going to Washington, D.C. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll be back in a moment. (laughs) It's the end of the world as we know it. And he feels fine. Got one job. Joe Suchere. <laughs> one job. What's that familiar? Yeah. Send us some more stuff. Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, one job, with this new technology that we're using for the uh, Rook, you're going to love this. The new technology that we're using for the podcast, yeah. we're able to kind of grab and, and pull things right away, including this that we'll be using uh, for future reference. Hang on right here. Here, me as an enlightened liberal. See, there we oh, go. Wow, huh? Mm-hmm. Huh? Locked in. <laughs> Barry Shockle alerts uh, alerts us to this ray of hope. Uh, there are twelve year olds out there who are not glued to video games and screen time. At twelve, some of us thought erector sets were very cool, and this kid built a working nuclear reactor. Uh, Frequent off-site uh, contributor, Shackle, garage logician, and proud member of the Royal Order of the 21sters. And he notes, you build a chair box. Uh, chair box. <laughs> this kid built <laughs> a nuclear reactor in their house. Yeah, and don't forget that we are uh, renovating the bathroom with a um, sewing machine <laughs> right. vanity. Jackson Oswalt from Memphis, who is now 14, managed to create a working nuclear fusion reactor when he was 12. According to an interview with Jackson and his parents, uh, Jackson spent a year and a half working on this project before he finally succeeded. I started uh, searching for things uh, because that's what interests me, he said. Jackson converted his family's playroom into a nuclear laboratory. According to Fox News, his parents invested eight to $10,000 on the project, which isn't terrible when you consider that Jackson will probably be eligible for at least a few scholarships at really good colleges after this. He used information. What? Is this something that should be celebrated? Right. Do you want a nuclear thing in your playroom? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know that. Well, I don't think it's glowing. I well, mean, I, but how do we yet. know that? He used information from the Open Source Fuser Research Consortium Forum, an online forum sure. for amateur physicists. You go there all the time. <laughs> and parts that he mainly bought off of eBay. Some of the parts weren't exactly what he needed, so he had to modify them. His father, who confessed to not fully understanding how the reactor functioned, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> praised his son's determination. 
Yeah, the more but I read just, it, the more I am having my yeah. my yeah, doubts. Right. <laughs> this isn't a, like the clock thing that was brought to D.C. That kid that made the uh, the ding, exposed ding wire clock. clock. Being a parent of someone who was driven as he was for twelve months was really impressive to see. I mean, it was an everyday grinding, everyday learning something different, everyday failing and watching him work through all of those things. Chris Oswald said, eventually, just hours before his thirteenth birthday, Jackson achieved the reaction he had been hoping for. Two. Deuterium atoms combined. <laughs> experts from the oh, this kid's going to go straight to hell. Right. Uh, right. Two Dr. experts Evil. from the research <laughs> consortium verified that that he succeeded. After a while, it became pretty simple to realize how it all worked together. Uh, but at the start, it was definitely figuring out one aspect of it. He may be the youngest person in the world to ever achieve such a reaction, beating out a fourteen-year-old who achieved a similar feat in 08. And uh, he realizes he's lucky to have his parents bankroll his hobby. I'm working on creating projects that kids aren't fortunate enough to have financial support, he said. Yeah, I don't know a lot of kids that are building nuclear reactors. <laughs> but uh, are they all? I mean, see, reporting isn't what it used to be. What What is he doing with it? Well, he's going to destroy us all, apparently. What reporting isn't what it used to be. I, I'm glad that he does. he's not playing uh, video games all day long. Uh, that, no. That's great, but what what the hell are you going to do with a nuclear reactor? I think he needs to get out a little too. I, yeah, I, uh, this has got Gabe written all over it, though. Uh, that's uh, a little out of Gabe's league. Yeah. I think that one is. Uh, plus, I might put the kibosh if I really found out he's, he's trying to build for a, a nuclear, nuclear reactor. That's <laughs> it. No, that's that's not happening. Do you know who's number one on the country music charts? Um, I saw this. Jimmy Allen. Yep. The first black artist ever to launch his career with a number one single on country radio. Darius Rucker kicked off his country career with a number one in 08, but he was already famous from Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, so what song? Do we know what song Jimmy's got out there? Well, the one that's getting a lot of airplay on the ones on the country stations in town is uh, the one he performed for us at, uh, at the stage at the State Fair. Uh, okay. Uh, I apologize. I don't know what the... What the name of the song is, but congratulations, Jimmy. You know, he's an East Coast kid, too, a black country guy from Delaware. He was one of our best ever State Fair guests. Probably it's, best shot. I think it's shot. Best Shot. Best it's shot. called yeah. Best Shot. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to play it, but we're, uh, we're, we're not allowed to. That because was of so various cool. FCC rules. And he couldn't have been nicer. No, he good was just kid. a great kid mm-hmm. when he came on the he show. His, on Wikipedia, one of his best breaks was being on Garage Logic at the State Fair. <laughs> where... Say that there? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to come back with the John Hyde Newsroom. Just make a move. Joe Suchere. Here, John Hype. Thank you, Joe. One moment, please. <laughs> Sports note. Uh, Timberwolves all-star Carl Anthony Towns. He was in a car accident last Thursday. Uh, he will be able to play again. He's now out of concussion protocol. The accident resulted in Towns missing a game for the first time in his career. He said this was something I'm not used to. Why are you looking at me like that, Joe? I'm just looking at you. Oh, okay. I'm being polite. Okay, I know, but I'm you, paying attention. You looked quizzical. It oh, was no. weird. It Can was you kind look of a quizzical? weird look. Is that, did I use that right? 
It was longing. <laughs> he was involved in the accident on his way to the airport last Thursday. Apparently, that should have it could have been a lot worse yeah, from the accounts that I read. He was in a Santa Fe. What's a Santa Fe? It's a, it's a small Hyundai, Hyundai mini and, mini SUV type yeah, thing. And it was a semi that, that rear-ended him. Really? So, uh, was he driving? Been. No, he was a passenger. Uh, he was cleared to fly after Who the accident. Who in the hell is he hanging around with that has a Hyundai It was, Santa coach. It was the team coach strength. Somebody not making any money. Right. It was the yeah. team strength coach. Huh. Uh, he was cleared to fly and arrived in New York after the accident where he underwent further examination, placed in the concussion protocol, ruled out for Friday's game against the Knicks, but now has been once again cleared to play. Is the Gopher basketball team pretty much done? Yep, they are. And Richard Pitino should be fired All after right. that loss yesterday. What an embarrassment. All right. Sorry, was that your next news item? No. Oh, and the Wild no. cling to uh, eighth place for a playoff spot. And as we record that podcast, we are 41 minutes away from the trade deadline Yeah, today. Well, I think the boys have uh, uh, prevented Fenton from doing anything. They've got one three straight now. And the yeah. kids scored the goal last and night. Did, did not oh, my. From way, from just across the blue line. You know why? He Rich. shot the puck. Mm-hmm. You can't score if you don't shoot the puck. Okay, Wayne. Uh, in news, one more uh, weather-related story. Lake Malax resort workers tending Monday to those stuck in fish houses after blowing and drifting snow on the lake Sunday. Joe Albert, the communications coordinator for the Minnesota DNR's Enforcement Division, said reports indicate there could be hundreds of people stranded on the lake. He said at least one DNR warden and other law enforcement officials were on the lake checking to make sure everyone had enough food, water, and heat. Albert said area resorts were taking the lead role in getting paths cleared. Chase Cromer, whose father owns Barnacles Resort and Campground, said he had been running food and water out to those stranded from 6 to 10 p.m. Sunday and resumed his efforts Monday morning. Said he had encountered less than 40 individuals, mostly on the east flat section of the lake, though he added it was frustrating some did not heed the forecast. He said most of our customers left Saturday night. They knew the weather was coming. These people stayed. They didn't use common sense. He says he has seen drifts around the lake at three feet high. The expected pass would be cleared enough for those stranded to get free by later Monday afternoon. He said, I guess the biggest message to take away from this is you need to be aware of the forecast and take proper precautions. I wonder if, I wonder if winds like that are, are uh, nature's instinctive way of preserving trees. What do you mean? In other words, uh, what if the tree branches get so laden with snow that the trees could oh. die or the branches could snap off. So maybe the wind comes along and and blows the snow off the trees, and the trees are okay. Got it. Uh, kind of God's plan, huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just wondering. That's right. all. You know, part mm-hmm. of nature, I think. I suppose it's, uh, yeah, that would work. Yeah. I'm wondering what type of job it is if you're the guy that's randomly going up to fish houses in the middle of the lake. Yeah. I wouldn't want that job. I, I wouldn't want that job either. You in there, Bert? Yeah, what's going on in there? You and Frank. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm in a judge. cold out your Hang house. On. You're not here for the ice fishing, are you? I think we'll skip you know who was story. born on February 25th? Who? George Harrison. Yes, I did know that, mm-hmm. actually. I saw it this morning. Uh, there is a trade tracker on NHL.com, but it doesn't look like anything that's uh, mind-boggling or... Nothing hot. Nothing hot. Right. Uh, South St. Paul's City-Run Library is not only the lone independent library in Dakota County, but also one of the few remaining in the Twin Cities. Over the years, the idea of the City Library folding into the Dakota County Library system would pop up from time to time. The suggestion, though, always went nowhere, mostly because of fears by some that the city would lose its charming colonial-style brick building, which opened in 1927, as well as the small-town service its staff gives. 
But South St. Paul and Dakota County recently rekindled the integration idea, now planning to study what it would mean for both. Last week, the South St. Paul City Council approved a memorandum of understanding, that's what it's called, Hmm. with the county that outlines what should be studied, including whether it makes sense to remodel and add more space to the existing library or just build a new one someplace else in the city. County Board is expected to consider the document next month. At first glance, according to South St. Paul officials... You're a resident. It's a charming mm-hmm. building, and it is owned by the city. Where is it? Across uh, from the DMV up there? Yes, yeah. it's up on the hill. Yeah. At first glance, South St. Paul city officials say a merger would be a cost savings for the city, which no longer would have its annual library operating levy. Also, the cost of either upgrading the current facility or building a new one would fall on the laps of all Dakota County residents, not just South St. Paul taxpayers. There's no reason for them to... Uh, the library is functional, and it's in a cute building. I don't know why the city owns it. I don't know what the reason is and instead of Dakota County, but that building should not be torn down. Minnesota judge says there will be no audio or video recording allowed during the trial of a former Minneapolis police officer who shot and killed Justine DeMond. Mohamed Noor is charged with murder in the July 2017 death of DeMond, who was shot after she called police to report a possible sexual assault behind her home. Several media outlets asked for permission to record the proceedings, Minnesota does not allow recording of court proceedings unless both parties consent. Nor is scheduled to appear in court Friday for a hearing on a range of issues in the case. The trial starts April 1st with jury selection. Why is that still in place? Why don't we? I know Wisconsin allows videotaping in court. Is there a specific reason for I that? Don't have, uh, I don't have the answer. I thought it was to protect victims. I don't know. Oh, okay. If somebody's, okay. That would, that would make sense. Minnesotans are using. Well, she's not around anymore. She's not around, but I no, suppose but that's it still why that stands. R- it's just a blanket rule. Yeah. Minnesotans are used to making circles in the ice. Most are small and drilled, of course, for catching fish. But lately, winter circles have been getting an upgrade. Chuck Zwilling says, "Fingers crossed," as he surveys the first cuts in what he hopes will be the world's largest ice carousel. Cool. What lake? Um. I don't know. Didn't mean I'm, to throw I'm, you I'm, a tough one there. Well, <laughs> it'll come. You know, now, I'm, I must protest because Joe just handed me this know, story two minutes I ago. I never got a chance to read it. What I want to read. So you have the story, yeah, and he gave set, it to Hyde, and then you up. rip him for not knowing <laughs> what the that's name what of the lake that, is. That's what I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> the other thing I want to know that neither of us read is how do you turn it once it's cut? It's with neat. What you do it with the boat? I just grab one of the stooges, turn them upside down, and go. I did find the lake. It's Green Prairie Fish Lake. Green Prairie Fish Lake. Yes. And he's uh, building one hell of a big uh, ice carousel, isn't that's he? That's cool. As Welling first saw an ice carousel two winters ago on YouTube, uh, Yanni Capleto of Finland cut a merry-go-round-sized circle in the ice, viewed online by hundreds of thousands of people who uh, looked at it and thought it was cool. Didn't the lottery do a, a campaign with yes. the ice carousel? Yes. Yeah. Well, well, he, which is where I get the idea. Do you turn them with an outboard motor? About to find Are out. Are you asking me? I, I don't know. Let I, me I, continue the story. Right. Maybe maybe we'll find something Probably out. one of us should have read it before the well, show, and that should have been out. me. Yeah. We've got about eight feet done, Chuck says. Only 1,342 to go. Chuck's vision, an ice carousel, roughly a quarter mile round, the largest ever built in the world. Uh, this, by the way, is not his first attempt. Chuck's first try at a world record last year earned him the the title, but not in the way Chuck wanted. A quarter turn was all that Chuck's carousel could muster after two jerry-rigged 
cutting machines failed and a skid steer broke through the ice. Oh, boy. He said that kind of killed the whole buzz, uh, but he said he began planning right away for 2019. On January Saturday, hundreds of people stepped across the nine-inch gap into the Zwilling family ice carousel. It's weird because I feel like that side is moving when we're really moving. I feel like the huh? that side is moving. Yeah. Uh, that, according to seven-year-old Adeline Ellingson, as she spun slowly with her family. Isn't this the old Donald Duck cartoon thing where you cut a circle around yourself sure. on the ice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Here's the answer to the, all the questions we have. Here, right, we, go. here we go. Propelled by four trolling motors. All right. The twilling ice carousel spins in a circle for several hours. Then winds picked it up and pushed it out of kilter. Huh. But not before Chuck had achieved his goal, the world's largest ice. Well, that's carousel. fantastic. That's pretty neat. How how wide? Wait a minute. The wind gives makes it go askew? Yes. Well, it probably just jammed one side of it. Askew is a very good turn. Good word. Robert. How wide does the cut have to be? I don't know. Did you mention that? So this one says nine inches. Oh, nine inches? Mm-hmm. Okay. Not sure. Yeah. There you go. All right. Good. Glad we got through that. Got her. Yeah. <laughs> Two motors. Yeah. yeah. Four, four. Four. Four, Chris. Four, four trolling four. motors. We're listening where you, Chris. That's it. Former CIA Director John Brennan on Monday calling President Trump selfish after the president tore into former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. Brennan's a frequent critic of Trump. He took issue with the president's tweet, accusing Reid of trying to put a good spin on a failed career. Brennan writing, you shame yourself in the office of the presidency every time you try to smear those who dedicate their lives to public service. Trump uh, Trump claimed in a tweet earlier Monday that Reid got thrown out of Congress, but that's not the case. The longtime Democratic Senate leader didn't seek re-election in 2016. In an interview, Reid recently said he would welcome the return of former President George W. Bush, said he doesn't have anything positive to say about President Trump. Brennan, one of Trump's harshest critics in the national security world, had his security clearance revoked by the president last year, what was widely seen as retaliation for his critical comments about President Trump. A bipartisan group of 58 former senior national security officials are issuing a statement Monday saying there's no factual basis for President Trump's proclamation of a national emergency to build the wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. The joint statement, whose signatories include former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, former Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel, and various officials from the administrations of George W. Bush and Barack Obama, will come a day before the House is expected to vote on a resolution to block the president's February 15th declaration. Wyoming School District plans to reopen an isolated school to serve a single student entering kindergarten this year. What? The Laramie Boomerang reports Cozy Hollow School is about 60 miles north of Laramie. A modular classroom is already there, but it hasn't been used for almost 10 years. It'll be the second one-student school in the Albany County School District. Now, they're only a few miles apart, but connecting roads are impassable throughout much of the winter. Wyoming law requires on-site education for isolated students when it's impossible to transport them to other schools. District tried live streaming classes for isolated students, but it didn't work out well, especially for the younger children. District officials say it'll cost about $150,000 combined to educate just those two students during the next school year. I really do not understand that. I suppose you got to... Why not just homeschool? No, clearly... We need to spend more money on education. I think so. Yeah. In this state, we don't spend enough. I don't think we do. No. That is unbelievably sad, though. There's nobody... There's is no Billy other... here today? Nope, he's homesick. Right. right. <laughs> you can't kind of blend in in the back of the class either, you no. know? That means well, the teacher's getting no. about 125 grand. 
And then twenty five grand for utilities. Well, that's for the two students. So for that's for two different schools. Two different schools, one hundred and fifty total. Yep. Yeah. yeah combined. Yeah. Wow. All right. Thank you, Johnny. Uh-huh. That's yeah, fantastic. That's fantastic. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Isn't that nice? A one school deal? Uh we have a presidential candidate that I'm gonna go do research on right now. Jim Pepe. Okay. Does he eat salad with a He's comb? a Republican candidate for president. He's down in Texas. He's been emailing me. He has Minnesota roots. Oh. And uh, I'm going to uh, do some more emailing with him right after today's podcast and arrange uh, to perhaps talk to this fellow. We have phones now, so it's, it's good. Right. We're, do we're all set. You can't do that. Very set. All right. Check it out. GarageLogic.com. All sorts of new things happening. Uh, we also want pictures of your garage wood. We're going to throw that on social media starting today. Yes. All over garagelogic.com. Remember now, the podcast is one single file for your audio listening pleasure. Check it out, garagelogic.com. And as a nice bonus, there's a brand new Table Talk with Rookie's family. Check that out on Podcast One and Apple iTunes. See you next time. One size rarely fits all. Rarely fits anyone. Nobody. That's why Federated Insurance customizes the insurance coverage you need for your business or industry. Offering property and casualty life and disability income insurance. Their marketing representatives are the best in the business. They get to know you, and that's why they can customize the coverage you need. Is driving a significant part of your business? They'll talk to you about auto liability. Worried about a cyber attack? You might need data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. Federated knows that. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way. Get in touch with a Federated Insurance Marketing Representative to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours.